G.J. Melendez-Torres graduated from Wharton in 2011 with a B.S. in economics, focusing on healthcare management and policy, and the School of Nursing with a B.S. in nursing. He is now continuing towards a master's degree in advanced practice and psychiatric mental health nursing. Knowledge at Wharton High School's Sherry Yang caught up with G.J. before graduation to discuss his various interests, including his deep involvement in interfaith issues outside the classroom. Hi, this is Knowledge at Wharton High School, and today we have the pleasure of being with G.J. Melendez-Torres, and he's going to speak about uh, his interests and how that has led him to pursue uh, both um, activities in the Wharton Business School and the School of Nursing at Penn. So, uh, G.J., if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself to start off. Sure. So I'm a senior, as you said, in the Wharton School and the School of Nursing, and in Wharton specifically, I study healthcare management and policy. Over my time at Penn, I've done a variety of different things. I've done research on health care and vulnerable populations and hospital care, you know, how the poorest people in our inner cities have access to health care. I've done work around intercultural issues, and I think that's really where the substance of my involvement outside the classroom comes from. I chaired a group called the United Minorities Council, which is Penn's oldest coalition of cultural groups. It's around 25 groups, cover several thousand students, and its goal is to promote intercultural action and awareness amongst Penn students. I also served as a vice chair of PRISM, which is an interfaith coalition at Penn, and that was really rewarding because I got to participate pretty extensively along with the team I worked with in its development and on the development of various interfaith initiatives. And finally, I also chaired our university student government. That was a real trip, and I just finished my term doing that. So it's kind of exciting now to be at the end of all of this looking back. Okay, that's very exciting. So you're involved in a lot of activities uh, with, to do with interfaith. What do you feel is the driving force behind uh, your interest in these activities? I think specifically from interfaith as opposed to the intercultural work that I do, that really came a lot from the way I was raised, right? The community in which I grew up wasn't terribly diverse, but I know that our family's friends were very diverse religiously. And one of the things I found was that that was a really critical uniting factor, but it could also be a really important destructive factor. I was really fortunate to be raised in an environment where we did really respect and we did celebrate a lot of different faith traditions. But when I came to Penn, it wasn't really something that was terribly present, either in business school or in nursing school. The summer after my sophomore year, I won a fellowship, totally out of the blue, extremely surprised, to travel to the Middle East for two weeks. And there I really saw a lot of interfaith action. I saw a lot of religious conflict. I saw a lot of the dynamics between functional interfaith relations and dysfunctional interfaith relations. And seeing the way those two opposed each other, the way they coexisted in the same space, really triggered my interest in these issues. And I think it brought me back to my own experiences with faith issues. As someone who is religious, who does practice a religion, it's an incredibly important part of my life. But I think what's so important about interfaith work is that it's one of those things we don't really feel comfortable talking about as a society. Whereas we do have the race dialogue, we do have the gender dialogue, oftentimes the religion dialogue gets lost in a lot of other issues, right? Current events, political issues. And I think the value behind interfaith action is that it really allows us to breach these issues and talk about these hard subjects in a way that's really relevant to everyone. Okay, so I guess what are some of the projects that you've uh, become involved in or that you've, uh, that this um, interest in interfaith has led you to do on Penn's campus and maybe that you'd see yourself becoming involved in in the future? So I think one of the, one of the really big things is that 
coming out of my first year as a resident advisor in the quad, which most people would say, why would you want to live with a bunch of freshmen? As a junior and as a senior at Penn, I did it because I really enjoy the mentoring and the working with them and the team building and the community building. But coming into my first year and later as I ended my first year as a resident advisor, one of the things I saw was that there was a lot of space for this interfaith discussion that wasn't really happening. So I combined that with the fact that I had already become the vice chair of PRISM, this interfaith coalition. And out of those two things, I created this new interfaith residential program. That's been extremely challenging, but also very rewarding. Very challenging because I had no way of knowing what the 22 freshmen in our program, what their interfaith background was going to be. But very rewarding in the sense that a lot of the program ended up running itself, right? When you create the right environment and when you give them the tools to discuss these issues, the amount of interfaith action and the amount of interfaith dialogue that can spark from that was really tremendous. How did you find the courage to step outside of your comfort zone and explore you know, uh, new ideas and along with this idea of um, giving people, uh, kind of pushing people to be comfortable to talk about interfaith um, issues, what would you maybe recommend to others to kind of push themselves out of their comfort zone? I think one of the challenges is that interfaith and more broadly intercultural issues, those aren't really something that you can be taught in the classroom right? You don't learn how to deal with diverse groups of people in the classroom. You do to some extent in the sense that you do team projects, but you don't really get the opportunity or the chance to talk about the really crunchy, difficult issues that come with intercultural work. I think that's so important because building really effective intercultural coalitions is not only important in business, right? Look at these large international companies. One of the reasons they work is because they have a shared culture, but also because they respect the many different cultures of the employees where they reside. But also, I think that's the key to social action and social change. My path after Wharton is a little different in the sense that I'm going to graduate school for social policy, and I'm not necessarily pursuing a career in banking. It's not to say that I definitively don't want to pursue a career in industry at any point, but I think it does mean that for now my interests and I think my long-term goals use more in using that business education, using that nursing education, and using these interfaith issues and exposure and facilitation experience and grounding that I received at Penn to really affect social change, especially in the area of healthcare. Okay, so speaking of healthcare, I guess, where did your interest in mental health um, develop? That's really the final frontier of healthcare policy, in my opinion. Mental health is a really difficult subject to talk about, right? It's not like cancer, or it's not like the swine flu, or it's not like any of those other diseases or illnesses. We don't necessarily bear any of the responsibility for it, and we accept that as a culture. I think with mental health, it's one of the really difficult issues to talk about because so many people still find it so difficult to deal with, right? It's so incredibly stigmatized. And talking about mental health issues and bringing treatment to people is a really important part of it. The way that our American healthcare system works, I don't feel that we adequately deal with mental health issues, and we don't deal with them in a way that promotes continuity of care, which is so important, right? You need to develop a long-term relationship with your healthcare providers, with your mental health workers, to have that kind of a therapeutic effect, and to make sure that the treatment is actually working. Mental health policy is something that we don't talk about, largely because we're so uncomfortable with how to do it, but also partly because we just don't know what we're doing with mental health policy. I think broaching that subject is so important in order to actually make sure that those of us who have mental illness, those of us who are amongst the most vulnerable in our communities, have the opportunities to get access to the care that they need to get better. Great. So how does your business education, uh, how, do you, how do you feel that your business education has contributed uh, or influenced you in, in your pursuits in these other fields? 
I think it's difficult to say, and not necessarily because it hasn't, but because the ways in which it's impacted my interest in all these other issues is so profound, and in so many different ways. For example, I don't think I would have had the slightest foggiest idea about how to begin looking at issues of healthcare policy, how to begin quantifying the problems that I was seeing in healthcare policy as I began my clinical work if I hadn't had that business education. I remember I had a kind of a aha moment. I was coming out of an Open 101 class, and I had recently had a clinical in a prison, right? I had been working as a health educator in the Philadelphia prison system, and a lot of the issues I saw in the prison system were totally mind-blowing, right? The kinds of things that you really wouldn't expect to see in any civilized healthcare system. But when I came to understand the way that process worked, the way that healthcare worked in the Philadelphia prison system, and as I began to frame that in the context of the knowledge I had gained in my operations and information management class, in the context of the knowledge that I gained in my finance classes and my accounting classes, it all began to make sense. And I think what was so empowering about that was that it really gave me the tools I needed, or at least it put me on the place where I knew I had the intellectual tools I needed to change what I saw that was wrong with these systems. Um, so, you know, um, you're just uh, recently a recipient of the um, Truman Scholarship and you're a Marshall Scholar. Um, and so, there's a lot of great things that are happening in your life. I guess looking back and maybe advice for uh, students who are kind of going through um, uh, the, the various processes that you've gone through already, what are some failures or missteps that you feel you've had and, and what have they taught you? And perhaps what is your advice then to, um, to those who, are, um, who have yet to you know, graduate from college? I think the biggest thing was that, and this applies especially to freshmen and sophomores, so that, was that I was absolutely terrified to take risks my first two years. A large part of the reason why I didn't come to this intercultural and interfaith work until late in my second year of college was because I was so afraid and so crippled that I didn't feel like I could actually attack these issues head on, that I couldn't really get involved in them. My first, my biggest, my most significant piece of advice, I think, for anyone who's beginning their time in college or at Penn or wherever they end up, is to understand that you really need to take advantage of the opportunities that are given to you, to take advantage of the academic experimentation, right, of the different classes, of the resources that are available to you early on. Because without that, you're not going to get the full experience. And you're going to get to where I am now, have had a really rewarding experience, but think, wow, I could have been having that so much earlier if I had really taken advantage of these resources. And um, what were you like in high school? Uh, could you see yourself going down this path while you were there? Absolutely not. In high school, I was a gigantic science nerd. All I did was biology. I did some math. I also did a lot of work in classical languages like Latin and ancient Greek. The idea that I'd be pursuing a career in social policy or that I'd be pursuing a career in healthcare or in business or in industry or in the healthcare industry was the farthest thing from my mind. Ultimately, I'm extremely glad I came down this path, right? I, I feel like with the path I've chosen for myself and in many ways a path that has happened to me because there are obviously things that I couldn't have chosen for myself has been a tremendously rewarding one. And I think that's another important thing, right? You can't really predict where you're going to be even between the end of your junior year of high school and the end of your freshman year in college. So many things can change and being open to that change is an incredibly important part of the growth process. And I think if anything, I'm glad I was open to the possibility of drastically changing what I thought I was going to do in college. What do you feel has been one of the most defining experiences that you've had in recent years? 
that's really hard. It's, it's like a super emotional. Like, <laughs> I don't want to bear my soul that way in front of the camera. I, you know, I, I think that's challenging. I guess in terms of perhaps uh, your kind of um, maybe in terms of where your interest in um, you've seen your interest in, in business and healthcare align the most, or uh, in an experience that uh, has just I guess shaped your decision to go into social policy now. I think there are two or three defining moments, partly because it's difficult to choose one. I think one of them came in my clinical experience, and it actually came fairly early during my time in clinical practice, right, when I was just beginning to do the hands-on part of nursing school. And I saw my first geriatric patient who also had very substantial mental health issues. And that was really striking. Obviously, I can't talk too much about it because of confidentiality and patient confidentiality. But that was a very striking experience, and I think it was at that point that I really connected with my love and my really interest in geriatric mental health issues. I think that was definitely one of the defining moments because I don't think if I had had that patient, we'll call him Jack, if I hadn't seen Jack that day in my clinical practice, in my clinical rotation, I don't think I would ever have become interested in geriatric mental health issues. And that's definitely a patient that stuck with me. And I think he's definitely, even though I'm sure he doesn't know this, I think he definitely inspired me to continue or to begin and to continue this path. I think another really important defining experience came late in my term as chair of the United Minorities Council. Earlier in the fall, we had an event where everyone had the chance to come together on College Green and to talk individually about the challenges that they faced in interculturalism, what they felt their stumbling blocks were, what they felt their challenges were, how they felt they were challenged by other people in some good ways and in some not so good ways. And I think the outcome of that was that I saw people be very open and honest about an issue that's very difficult to talk about. But more importantly, I think what I saw was that interculturalism, and I think this is the really critical take-home message, is not just about race and ethnicity. It's also about gender. It's about age. It's about orientation. It's about a lot of different things. And I think seeing that is so incredibly important to understanding the value of this work. And I guess just in closing, where do you see yourself in five years? Wow. Another, perhaps another, another tough question. At least um, that one isn't as emotional as the last one. I, <laughs> where do I see myself in five years? I really value the research and the policy work that I do now and that I'll be able to do once I finish graduate school. But I also really value the clinical work, right? Because I think that keeps it real, so to speak. It's what keeps me in touch with why I feel this work is important. I at least hope to be in a position that combines research, that combines healthcare policy, and that combines clinical practice, specifically in geriatric mental health or geriatric primary care. Because all three of those pieces, the research, the policy, and the practice, I think are what tie everything together. The intercultural, the interfaith, the business, and the nursing, and all of the things that I learned from that really come together in that area, in the area and the space of research, the policy, and the practice. So if I had it my way, I know things don't always turn out as we plan, and obviously I'm open to change, but if I really had my way, that's where I'd be. I'd be doing each of those things because each of those things makes me very happy. It makes me feel like I'm contributing in very different ways. Okay. Thank you very much for your time Thanks and for being with us today, GJ.